Welcome to this special edition of the Reminger Report podcast on emerging technologies. Today, we are fortunate to have a special guest, Stuart Sherry, who was a senior staff consultant with ESI, and he is going to be talking with us today about some of the sensors and technology that's utilized in autonomous vehicles. Stuart, if you would, just kind of introduce yourself to our audience and give us a little bit of background on yourself as to how you ended up in this industry. Yeah, thanks, Zach. I'm uh, glad to be here and appreciate the invitation. Yeah, so Stuart Sherry, I have a um, master's degree in electrical engineering. I'm a licensed professional engineer in the state of Michigan, and I've spent about 20 years in the automotive industry, mostly with suppliers developing electronic products. So ran an engineering team doing hardware, software development, project management, the whole industrialization of various different electronic technologies, including some autonomous driving technologies. Um, decided uh, roughly 18 months ago that I wanted to kind of use that background and get into uh, forensic engineering and then joined ESI there in January 2020 uh, with really a focus on um, autonomous driving technology, vehicle electronics, and kind of the litigation that may surround that in the future. Now, I know you've had some of these discussions with us kind of off the record, but we talked about the autonomous driving and how some of the technology that enables it has been around for a while. Why now is the autonomous driving becoming such a relevant topic uh, for us considering the fact that that technology has been around for a while? Yeah, no, that's a good question. You know, it's funny. I think back to, um, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago when the show Mythbusters used to be very popular. And I used to watch um, Adam and Jamie mock up these cars with all these actuators and sensors and do remote control of vehicles. And I used to think, man, one day we're going to have cars like that. And honestly, I'd say it comes down to the scalability and cost of that technology. So the things that they did back then were big and bulky, um, expensive, one-off type devices. And nowadays, you can get radars that are smaller than a postage stamp in the millions of units for $10, $15. Now, one of the technologies you just mentioned was radar. And the, the cost, obviously, the, of the radar has been dropping. As we talk about all the various technologies um, that these vehicles use as we move into, you know, higher levels of autonomy, can you kind of outline the differences between these technologies and, and, and help our audience to understand kind of what these technologies are? I've heard the term LIDAR, radar, ultrasound, infrared. Obviously, a lot of people familiar with backup cameras. And I'll tell you that, I mean, my own vehicle I know has like parking sensors on them. Mm. But, if, but if you asked me, I don't know that I could tell you actually what type of technology those sensors use to actually start beeping when I'm about ready to hit something. So if you could, can you kind of explain that to our audience? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'd really classify it into kind of really two different technologies. One would be um, basically the combination of radar, LIDAR, and ultrasound. And the basic principle is similar with all those, and that is they send out some sort of beam or signal, and then they monitor how long that signal is, 
out there, it bounces off an object and comes back and they can measure that time. The difference would be with radar, you're talking about electromagnetic waves, which would be things we're all familiar with, like radio waves. When you listen on the radio, your cell phone uses radio waves to communicate. So a radar is kind of sending out these beams of electromagnetic waves, bouncing off something, measuring the time that comes back. LIDAR is the same principle, but it uses light. Um, that's where the L comes from for LIDAR and kind of radar came first and LIDAR came second and they use the same sort of uh, terminology. In that case, they're sending out beams of light. Um, these are usually small focused beams and they kind of move the beams around up and down, left and right. And then they send that out and same thing, measure the time for it to come back. Ultrasound, I think, is one that most of us are familiar with because that's what you hear about on submarines. So it's a um, sound wave that's sent out. And it's the same sort of principle that it hits an object that bounces back. The difference between those three and why there are three of them is usually on the resolution. So ultrasound will probably tell you, like you just mentioned, Zach, that there's something you're going to back into, a parking garage, a garage door, a car, some big bulky object. Um, it's not very fine-tuned. It is very cheap. Um, that's why they've been around longer than most technologies. But you can't really tell it's a person, it's a dog, it's a pole, et cetera. When you get into radar and LIDAR, you have a lot higher resolution where you can actually kind of start to detect what something is, um, especially with LIDAR um, that you see nowadays. That's what everyone sees on that Google streetcar that does the street view that drives around with the big LIDAR spinning on the top. That's been scaled down also to much lower cost. But it's sending out beams of light, and it's kind of taking a picture um, with distance to the objects that it hits um, and creating a sort of a 3D map of what's around um, the, the LiDAR machine. One of the things with LiDAR is it is line of sight, so it can't see through things. Um, it can't see through walls. It can't see through um, material. It does have some issues sometimes with glass and reflection. Where radar um, oftentimes can see through things. So, for example, if you think about snow and rain, um, that can sometimes be trouble for LIDAR where um, it sort of blinds the, the optical beam, where radar has a much easier time doing that. So when I look at radar, LIDAR, and ultrasound, I really look at those as kind of one basic technology with three different applications or three different resolutions. I asked about infrared and camera. Those are a very similar technology that's basically a picture. Um, as I think we're all familiar with cameras, um, infrared is, is almost the same, except it's just at a lower um, spectrum in the, in the visible light or invisible light uh, spectrum where you um, can take a picture of things that emit infrared instead of just our, our visible light. Cameras and infrared, I mean, the actual camera and infrared is pretty basic. Um, we've had uh, kind of cell phone cameras for a long time. I remember we used to all talk about which megapixel size cameras on your latest phone. So that's been around a long time. The real um, improvement and why you see it nowadays is the electronics and technology that processes those pictures. So the ability to detect in those pictures, what is this thing? Is it a bicycle? Is it a motorcycle, et cetera? So that's really the differences you see on your vehicle around all those different technologies. And, you know, that's where all of those have their own application area that are now enabling, you know, autonomous driving features that we've been talking about. Now, I, I've heard the term sensor fusion used in, in kind of discussed in some of the topics. 
Could you kind of explain that to our listeners as to what the term sense infusion, sensor fusion means and kind of how it correlates and, and applies to these autonomous vehicle technologies? Absolutely. Um, so in the auto industry, everyone, probably like other industries, likes their buzzwords and acronyms and things. So sensor fusion is essentially a way of saying, kind of like I was mentioning earlier, we have a lot of these maybe dumb sensors around the car. It's a, a camera in the corner of each, of each part of your car. It's a lighter on the top. It's a radar on the side. By themselves, those individual systems don't do much. They will tell you this, this distance to an object. What the object is, I don't know. Um, you know how, how far away the object is, I can tell you. How big it is, I can maybe give you some information. But it doesn't have the smarts to kind of figure out what it is. Sensor fusion is a way of saying, taking all that input from a radar, a LIDAR, an ultrasound, a camera, an infrared, et cetera, into some sort of smart system, smart computer, um, high uh, capacity uh, ECU, electronic control unit that um, is basically only there to process all of those inputs and start to figure out what am I looking at? So my radar says I have this blob over here. My camera, when I do my processing, it looks kind of like it might be um, another car, and then my LIDAR has confirmed the distance to it, and therefore my computer is going to basically say, hey, I think there's a car over here with this certain probability, and that's what Sensor Fusion does. It basically takes those different inputs and processes them so that they can kind of confirm with each other or basically uh, also could not confirm with each other and say, hey, that's not what I'm seeing, and, and it makes a decision, what is this actual thing that is around the car? And that's really the idea behind sensor fusion. It sounds to me, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but as I'm trying to understand this, obviously, is from a non-engineer's perspective, is it helps to combine the different technologies to really kind of make it more of, so that it's usable for the vehicles to make decisions. Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. I mean, the way I look at it, honestly, it's a little bit like how we as humans operate. Um, we have our five senses. So maybe um, you hear a hissing sound and then you smell, you know, a gas smell. Um, so the, uh, the ears and nose have confirmed you, hey, there's a gas leak. I need to get out of here. One or the other, you may not really realize it. If it's just hearing, maybe it's just an air leak of some sort. Um, and that's really what sensor fusion does. It takes in all these different sort of senses that have different uh, resolutions, different capabilities, and filters them and makes decisions about them to come to a conclusion what's going on around the environment. I think that's a really good analogy. I, I, I think that's probably one of the best explanations I've heard is to relate it to the five senses that we as humans understand um, mm -hmm. and, and correlate that. So that, I think that's a good one. Now, I know that I had originally told you that I didn't want to talk about the kind of varying levels of autonomous vehicles because it's a topic that we kind of have already covered in some of our earlier episodes. But it occurs to me now that it probably would be helpful if it's not too much to ask as we as you talk about sensor fusion and you talk about kind of these varying technologies We've talked previously in, in other episodes about the zero through five range of autonomous vehicles. I, I do actually think it would be helpful if you could just kind of explain to us, you know, which one of these technologies falls in where, especially as we get in 
you know, to the, the two through five range when we start to actually see some of these higher level functioning autonomous-esque features. Is that something sure. that you could at least kind of ex- help us ex- understand where they fit into the picture? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as you mentioned, there is the SAE definition of autonomous driving levels, um, zero through five from no automation to full automation. And the areas I think we're talking about, like you said, are kind of the two through five, um, where two is a sort of partial automation. An example I use for you know level two would be something like a, a car that has adaptive cruise control. So we're all familiar with cruise control. It's been around a long time. You set it and it goes and it'll crash in the car in front of you. Adaptive cruise control uses, for example, radar technology. So it can monitor the distance of the car in front of you. And it will provide feedback to the electronic control unit in the car saying, hey, I know you're set at 65 miles an hour, but you're gaining on the car in front of you. And it will provide feedback to tell the car to slow down a little bit. And that's an example of where a technology like radar is used already today in uh, automation levels that are out there. When you get to, in my opinion, level four and level five, high and full automation, you're talking every technology I just mentioned is going to be available and used. Um, There are differences of opinion. Um, Some companies have made pretty blanket statements that they will get away only with cameras. Um, They will do away with radars. They will do away with LIDARs. And the basis behind that is basically saying if a human brain can use two eyes and and no other senses to really drive a car, we believe we can do it with a computer. I think that remains to be seen. Um, And that's why you see so much development right now in all of these technologies, because nobody really can say for sure, I can do it with one technology or I can do it with two technologies. That will conclude the first part of our discussion with Stuart Sherry regarding sensors for autonomous vehicles. Join us next time when we revisit this topic and explore it in further detail.